Thank you to the musicians. I'll ask you to turn directly to the Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 10, and then we'll also read from Matthew 11 after that, but Deuteronomy chapter 10, let's start the reading in verse 11, and Deuteronomy being a book that Moses was ministering in the last month of the last year of walking in the wilderness now speaking and rehearsing many of the promises to a generation that was about to go in. So in Jude, he says now in, at that time in verse 11, And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. And now, O Israel... What does the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul? Now, as they're going in to possess, every tribe has a place in their promised land, Every, there, are, there are people that are going in to possess a greater people. He doesn't give them military instructions. He doesn't give them a geographical map telling them what the boundaries are. But he's telling them, just have the right heart. Have the right approach and you'll be blessed. God will go before you. Love him with all your heart and with soul. Verse 13 to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statues which I command thee this day for thy good. Now he gives them a principle. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of the heavens is the Lord's, thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Oh, that does us good to remind us that once in a while. It's not mine. In Laodicea, there's so much about what is mine. Listen, it's all God's. And if we have anything, God gave it to us and blessed us with it. And we ought to thank him for it. And he says, now only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, a Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and the widow, and he loveth the stranger, in giving him food and raiment. Love you, therefore, the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we're bowing before you and recognizing you're a God that is far beyond what our mortality is, our humanity is. And Lord, we humble ourselves before you this evening. And Father, we want to invite you to come. Lord, we recognize the message we've been given was not given intellectually. Lord, neither do we want to approach a service that way, not by what we know or what we've learned, but Lord, we want to approach it through a spirit realm. And Father, as I felt your spirit just dealing with me, and Lord, I pray that you deal with all of us. Father, that we may leave here a better people. Lord, we invite you, take the preeminence in this meeting. Lord, those that are here, those that are listening, 
Father, we want to be a better, a different people when we leave. Cause us, O Lord, to walk in your statutes. Cause us to be a reflection of you. I pray your blessing be upon us. Granted in Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seats. I will maybe come back to this, but I'll invite you to go over to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And I'm going to just read two verses there. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man that is gluttonous, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. I want to speak tonight, and I might be taking a few services, but I want to speak on magnification of the law, and, and I, I'll just take a few services on different directions maybe on that. But tonight I want to speak on the sinner's friend. In Deuteronomy, and, and maybe I'll just read first of all from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. This is sort of the justification for the scripture. It's for, it said, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So the law had something that God had placed in it that was a shadow, and it wasn't, it wasn't the law wasn't meant to be restrictive or all-encompassing, but it was designed to project something forward. And that something forward was good things to come. God would take uh, a 6,000-year time on earth to bring forth his threefold purpose that he had in the back part of his mind, which number one was to express himself in Jesus Christ. Number two was to gain the preeminence in a people. Number three was to restore us back to where we were, where Adam fell from in the Garden of Eden. So when we think on those things and we begin to project this with some movement, and, and I, I read a little bit from Deuteronomy 10, but if I can, I just want to go back to the part that we're focusing in tonight. And, and it says in verse 16, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and, and the word circumcise, circumcise means to cut away. And it refers to the foreskin, which is an excess of flesh, but it refers to the heart. In other words, in the heart can exist many different things, and in there, many things that are not necessarily beneficial for God to work with. So he's saying, now circumcise these things and be no more stiff-necked. Now, this word stiff-necked, and, and if you think of it, you know, you can, I actually looked it up in the dictionary, and it said how, you know, I looked at what stiff-necked meant, and I'll read a definition for you right away. And then it had a little caption there, it says, how to get rid of stiff-necked. And then I went into it and had 10 points about which kind of pillow you should sleep on at night, and then all those kind of things. But that wasn't the kind of stiff-neckedness they were talking about. So when you look at it in the Hebrew, to be stiff-necked, and, and really this word first came into play in the book of Exodus, right through Deuteronomy, and it dealt with a generation that was moving in an exodus. It dealt with the people that God was using to bring somewhere. Now, in, in saying that, so to be stiff-necked meant to be proud, to be unwilling to do what others would, 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 would want, to be stubborn would be to be uncompromising, would be to be haughty, would be to be opinionated. Now, if you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, these are the very things that, that almost 
Timothy identified as in the last days, perilous times will come. So these things were spirits that were in the earth in the very beginning in the book of Exodus, but they follow through. They came through in the time of Jesus. They come through in the end time. And just because we're believers, it doesn't mean we're immune to those. Rather, we should be watchful as a covenant people that we don't fall into the trap of those before us. So it would say to be stiff-necked was to have an antagonistic attitude, was to be stubborn, was to be argumentative, would be going into minute detail in order to distinguish our point of view from others. That sounds like a lot of people that are around the ranks of the message that are jostling with the message. I don't want to use it for that. I don't want maturity to be arguing about little points of doctrine. Maturity needs to reflect in our character and in our expression of Christ, not in our knowledge and finite analysis of the message. Rather, let it express itself in the fruits of the Spirit. So, So when we take these things, now just taking verse 16, but now in... in <clears throat> Verse 17, it says the Lord does not have regard for persons. In other words, his, God's opinion of us is not what we place of ourselves, nor is it what we place others to be for the good or for the bad. God doesn't regard it that way. Say, oh, you know, that, that man's a holy man. God, God views us under the blood all the same. The only difference between a minister is there's a gift that is there. The only difference between some that have been there longer is that God uses their lives to help us. But as far as standing with God, just give me a little bit more volume if you wouldn't mind. I don't want to yell. I want to just be able to express this tonight. So <coughs> God doesn't regard things the same way we do in our humanity. So, you know, in James chapter 1, it would say... Well, let me just back up before I, I go to that. So it, it, I want to go to verse 18. So he says here, he doesn't, so he doesn't regard those things. But now it, it's, it, it's interesting how it goes down to this level. <clears throat> he said, he does execute the judgment of the fatherless and the widow. Well, that's, that's, that's amazing how, you know, that, that deals with, those that have lost the provider or the head of a home. So that deals with the, the son or the daughter that's lost a father. But it also deals with the wife. And if you actually look at the number of places in the Bible where God speaks of the widow and, 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 and such. And, and that's where I was referring to in the book of James. James would say pure religion. So if we just say this is the epitome of what religion is. Be pure religion before God and the Father is this to visit the fatherless and the widows. And then in their affliction. And then he says, and keep yourself unspotted from the world. So, so now, here is God telling them in this time, saying, he executes the judgment of the fatherless and the widows. And then he goes into this, and he loves the stranger in giving him Food and raiment. This 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 will cause us to stretch our spiritual thinking a little bit tonight. And I, I'm doing this for a reason because we can get in Laodicea very self-inclusive. We can get very much built around our culture, our way, and 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 we build a circle that we have a hard time going outside of. And yet God has us here on earth, not just so we can be a circle or an island unto ourselves, but he has us here to fulfill his purpose. He has us here because he has no hands but our hands, or no mouth but our mouth. And he has nobody that he can use besides a people that he can begin to affect in their thinking and their heart and express his heart through them. So now he says... Love the stranger. Give him food and raiment. 
This, this, is, this is amazing to me. And then he says, now God loves the stranger. God loves him. And he's the one that gives him food and raiment. And then he says, now you also love you, therefore the stranger. Verse 19. Why? How, how can you do that? Because you were strangers yourself one time back in Egypt. Oh, let us never forget where we came from. Let us never forget the miry clay out of which God pulled us. That we can't remember or have a heart for somebody who is there also. So he's, this is a principle that's being told. And, and, and I'm, as I move this along, I'm going to ask you to turn to Leviticus 23. Now, this will deal with, with a, a principle. Now, God gives them an action to follow the principle. <coughs> Leviticus 23 is actually the seven feasts that Israel was to observe. There was the feast of the Passover. There was the feast of the unleavened bread. There was the feast of the first fruits, which dealt with them coming into their land. And it was the acceptance of the first fruits. Then there was the, the feast of the wave offering, which was the, the mixing together of those first fruits, in, and which is also typed as Pentecost. And then there is the, the last three feasts, which are the trumpets, the atonement, and the tabernacles. So as, as we go to verse 17 for a moment, this is now um, 50 days after the feast of first fruits, where the, the first fruits of the harvest that were ripe, they were lifted up before God, and the, the priest said, yep, there's more coming of the same thing. And then 50 days later, which types Pentecost, which types what happened in the book of Acts. So it's typing the very same thing. It says now, he's saying now, he says in verse 17, you shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves of two-tenth deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. Horror. Leaven in, in, the, in the Bible almost always has a negative connotation. But it also speaks of humanity. It speaks of our frailty. It speaks of those things. So God, on the day of Pentecost, when he poured out his spirit, he, he poured out the Holy Ghost into earthen vessels, vessels that had faults, vessels that had, had elements that were not perfect, but God still poured out and chose to use that. And he, and he allowed it to be mixed with our humanity. For what expression? That we could contact those around us. So he would say, they are the first fruits unto the Lord. Now let's drop down to verse 20. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord with two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it'll be a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work. In other words, I'm setting this forth as an example, not just for this day, this time, but for all your generations. So when God sets something into motion, it's a type and it's a shadow of things to come. Now, verse 22. Now, it's, it's really interesting. In the middle of all of these feasts, and he comes to this level, and now he drops in this verse, which is just so innocuous from the whole context of it all, but he drops this in. And when you reap the harvest, the harvest of the first fruits that I blessed, and when you reap that harvest, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when you reap. In other words, don't scrape every little bit out of your field. And he says, neither shall you gather any gleaning of the harvest. In other words, leave some there. Don't pick it clean. Now this is amazing. God blesses them. He gives them this land. He gives them the first fruits. He gives them the, the fruit. And now he tells them, don't gather it all up. And he says, for you shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Okay, now, if this is a principle, how does this apply to us? How does this apply to me? In Laodicea. Where it's gain all you can get. Get me everything and it's the age of iPads and iPods and i this and me space and my two and whatever else. 
Friends, how contrary is this gospel to the age we live in? If we can, if we can find rest, listen, it's so easy. You know, you, 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 get a, you plug an email in, uh, you know, you look at a website or something, just leave us your email, all of a sudden you're getting emails. And every day it's this sale and this sale, and, and you start looking at it, and before long, you keep looking at those things, and i got to have that. No, you don't. Let God give you what he wants to give you. This, this is, I, I'll say this, we're, we're coming up to Black Friday. Well, Black Friday sales started a week and a half ago, and it doesn't come for another week and a half. It just gets extended every year. Well, Black Friday, the deal of the century is here, and we get driven. Friends, sometimes I say, oh God, set me free, that I don't have to follow what the rest of the world is following. I don't know, they, 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 they call it like lemmings. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen lemmings. They just go blindly because all the rest of them go. Oh God, let me be led by you. Let me be led to follow what you're following. So anyway, I gotta, I gotta move it on. But here it, he drops this in and he says, now, now, now you, I need you to do it this way. Now, Brother Branham actually would talk about this in this, this very thing and this feast, and he would talk about it in questions and answers. And he said, so seven months, the seventh month the after, he says, after the, the feast, after the sheaf was brought in, the sheaf turns into a loaf of bread at that time. When one sheaf all goes into that one loaf, it's a great teaching there. I didn't touch the edge of it. So, so he's, he's just talking about it in questions and answers. This is following Feast of the Trumpets and other things that he went into. I'm going to move this along. Let's go to Deuteronomy 24. <coughs> Deuteronomy 24. Now, in, in this one, this is a similar example, and I'm just setting the pattern here for what, what God has put in the Bible, Deuteronomy 24, and we'll start reading in verse 17. Now, he says... And again, this is to the generation just about to go in. Thou shalt not pervert the judgment of the stranger, nor of the fatherless, nor take a widow's raiment into pledge. Now, they're going in to possess the land. But this is important to God. Listen, this same Jesus that was on a cross... There was a man blaspheming him on one side and there was another one saying, remember me. And he gave his heart, he gave his promise to him at that moment. You'll be with me in paradise. So he says now, verse 18, you shall remember that you were a bondman in Egypt. Now, this is a generation 40 years removed from Egypt. They could not remember maybe the taskmaster's whip. They couldn't remember what they were under, but God is giving them instruction, and he's telling them, you shall remember you were a bondman, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Now, get that in your heart before you view this as a rule. Friends, let's, before we view anything, let's just remember where we came from. Lord, you saved me. I, I was under all kinds of things, Lord. Give me a heart like your heart. Therefore, I command thee this thing. Now, when you cut down the harvest in your field and you forgot a sheaf in the field. Oh, I didn't quite finish. He says, you shall not go back again to fetch it. Wow, this is really instruction as we're going into the land. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and for the widow. That the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands. Brother Branham, in a tax case, why did you write a check for this widow? Why did you do this? And says, because the Bible says, let not your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I don't do it with purpose for a reward. Hey, everybody, look at what I did here. I, I just, we have nothing to do with it. God, take these hands. Take this mouth. Take what I have and let it express you to this generation. Now he says, and for the widow that the Lord may bless thee. Verse 20. When you have beaten thine olive tree, you shall not go after the boughs again. So you beat it. You try to knock down all the olives. Oh, there's a whole bunch remaining. Oh, you can't go at it a second time. Ah, 
I should have used a bigger stick. Now, think about the Jews that had to obey this. <laughs> Just think about their nature. And think about how, I wish I would have done it. Okay, now, if we're not careful, we take the same nature. Okay, he says, now, don't go over it again. It shall be for the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. And when you gather the grapes of the vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless and the widow. And again, he says, you shall remember that you were a bondman in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command thee to do this thing. Oh, God is trying to teach them something. He's trying to bring them. Now, he's doing this as as a, a shadow. Now remember the Jews of old, they, they, would, they, would, they would be under, they weren't under, they were under the blood of bulls and goats. Just go back to Hebrews 10 just for a quick moment. Hebrews 10 verse 2. And it talks about how the sacrifices couldn't be made perfect year by year. Verse 2 it would say, they would not have ceased to be offered. But the worshiper once purged had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices... There is a remembrance made of sins every year. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. <coughs> now, that was a shadow. That was a type. We're not under that shadow or that type anymore. You can actually get something that the Jews never had. The Jews in the old days, they, they, they would go, they would sin, they would do something, they would, they would offer their lamb, they would do that. But yet, after a while, it, it just was a form after a while, it was just became a, not just a formality, it actually became a stench in the nostrils of Jehovah because there was no more feeling attached to it. Okay? Now, friends, I, I want to just say, just because we're here, it doesn't mean we're, we're immune to that. You, we can begin to go through the meshes, and this is not preaching at anybody, this is preaching at myself. There's times I can say, I haven't been in the feeling of it the way I should be. But oh God, let me live with all my heart and with all my soul. Don't let me go through the motions. Let me, oh Father, live out what I'm feeling that, that it can express. I'll tell you what, there's a joy in serving God with a pure heart. There's a joy when doing it from the heart. Not because you have to. I can imagine that you know, they would, they would be around there and, and some of the Jews would get together. He says, yeah, get your harvest in. Yeah, I got it in. He says, what's the matter? Oh, I got too much around the corners and I can't go back and touch it. Yeah, I know. We should go back tonight when nobody sees us. Could you imagine some of the talk? Could you imagine what they're saying? You know, we, you know we're, we're the children of promise and we got to leave it for people who aren't even in the covenant. Just look at, look at what God was telling them to do. Friends, we look at the law, and we will take a scripture like, a bastard child shall not enter the congregation for 14 generations. And in our thinking, we think, okay, under the blood, how much more should that be? And there was a sister that wrote Brother Branham and said, I checked my lineage, and it's possible I was born under that kind of a covenant. And Brother Branham says to her, sister, that was in the Old Testament under the law. Under the blood, God doesn't see that anymore. Friends, the magnification of the law is not to be more judgmental. The magnification of the law is not that we create more exclusivity, more, more of an internal self, but it's that we might know the liberty under which we were saved and express it to somebody else. <coughs> You could, you could take other things and you could say, well, you know, and I, I won't have time to go into all the examples, but you, you could take the whole thought of leprosy and say, you know, there was hardly a leper that was ever healed, but there was one that was healed, and even Jesus referred to him. And he wasn't even an Israelite. He was a stranger. In fact, he wasn't just a stranger. He was almost an enemy, and his name was Naaman. And Naaman, that was the one that God chose to heal. How is it just because a little girl gave a testimony as a, in the household she was in and, and Naaman's wife heard it and told him there's a God in Israel that will heal and God made a way for him. 
I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something right now. I'm going to just share something with you. Ethan, can you just put up that slide? This is a testimony I just shared with our ministers, and, and I, I want to put it up here. But I, I, want, I want you to look at it. So this is a man who had lymph, lymphonic cancer, I guess is what they call it. And I'm just going to read this properly here so I can get it. But <coughs> so his name is his name is um, Malcolm, uh, and uh, no Marcus. Sorry, it's Marcus, and he had lymphatic cancer, and you can see it in his lymph. There's a big bulge right there. This is another picture of him. This shows it even magnified in a greater way. This man, he had this. This is a picture on the left. See that big bulge up there? That's his lymphotic cancer. This is the cancer that spread through his whole body, through the lymph nodes and everything. This man is not a message believer, but a minister in the United States who just has a heart to go and pray for people in hospitals went and prayed for this man. You say, well, it's, it's for the children. Is it? This man was not a believer. He prayed for him. This is the testimony. He prayed for him. The doctors had given him up three times, telling him he only had days to live. The chemo wasn't working. Just a short time later, this is his body. That's his organ. There's not a trace of all of this cancer in his body. This is the man today. This man is not a believer. But God, and they're all praying, said, we started, his wife came to bear witness at our church. We're starting to witness the message to him. Friends, how did this happen? Was it because... Well, I can't go beyond the boundaries of, of what we've got. Or was it because somebody had a heart for a lost, long, a person somewhere? These things, if, if we could allow God to move us beyond the channel that we have created, we limit God sometimes. I think we ought to give the Lord a hand clap for this. His name is Marcus Humphrey. If you want to remember him in prayer, say, God, you heal them. You can reveal yourself to him. I believe. Thank you, Ethan. That was, was good. You know, if we could recognize the things that God has for us. There was the Samaritans in the Bible who were at odds with the Jews, and they wouldn't have anything to do with them. Because they, they viewed them as outcast, and they didn't view them as the pure blood and the pure lineage. <clears throat> but remember, there's a, there is a shadow of good things to come. Now, go with me to Mark chapter 7. Now, I'll fast forward here a little bit. This was the law. And now, after many years of the law, and you have to remember that under the law there was priests. The priests began to live a life that was separate from, from the people. The priests would begin to wear garments that are different from the people. And just by virtue of a, putting a garment on, they were considered holy. They, they, they began to elevate themselves to a position where they thought, we are something and you need to respect us. I, I love watching sometimes the, the Chosen series because it begins to get you thinking, just like the Ten Commandments did. It gets you thinking about how things were. And I think this is, this is now what the second exodus started with, when Jesus came to earth. And he came to earth, and now as we read from Mark chapter 7, you can uh, put that up. We'll, we'll, we'll just start the reading from verse 1. Now, they had, by this time, they had many traditions, Jewish traditions that superseded the law. Okay, I have them all marked except for that one. 
Let's just read from the screen. They came together unto him, the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with a defiled, that is to say, the unwashing with hands, they found fault. Now, this wasn't even a commandment, but it had become a commandment. It had become a way. It had become part of their circle. Next. And, and for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, they eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. So this had been now in play for some time. And when they came from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. You know, I, I, I worry sometimes because spirits don't die. I, I worry that we polish up the message. I worry that we make it something that it's not to the world around us. I worry that we get away from the simplicity of the love of God that's expressed to a world around us. And we make it traditional. And we make it, it's, you've got to do this. And, and, and I worry that we sometimes try to convert people just by saying, okay, this is what you've got to do. You've got to dress this way. You've got to conduct yourself this way. Instead of getting them to the root of the issue, which is to find Christ. I say, God, help us not to be like that. Why are you preaching this, brother? Are we sunk that low? No, but I don't want to go down that path. I want to have more of Christ in our midst. <coughs> so then, <coughs> the Pharisees, this is in, in verse 5, they ask him, why walk not your disciples according to the tradition of the elders? But they eat bread with unwashed hands. I love the way Jesus did things sometimes. You know, he went to heal the man by the pool of Bethesda because, first of all, number one, he knew it was the Sabbath day. Number two, he knew that he had a bed that he had to carry. And so he, he healed him, number one, on the Sabbath day. Number two, he did it, and he said, after he healed him, he said, now take up your bed so that they can see it. <laughs> Why would he do that? Oh, just to irk them. No, to show them the truth. You're so foolish. You, you're, you're just so ridiculous in your thinking. You've left off the weightier matters of the law. You've left those things, and you're focused on these minute little things. This is what I, I, I sent this for. And he says, he answered them, well has Isaiah prophesied of you. Hypocrites, it's written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from, it, from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments of God. This is, to me, amazing. You have to lay aside the commandments of God to observe these traditions. I, I, I can't get into everything I'm, I'm thinking today. I want to focus on this. You, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such things like you. I remember early in the message, I was living in the east, and somebody said, have you been to Jeffersonville yet? I said, no. Oh, man, you better go. <laughs> okay, pardon me, what's that got to do with anything? I did go, but that didn't do more for me than what God did for me already. Oh, friends, let's... And, and then we take something that we've experienced... And we try to make that somebody else's experience. You know, one thing that's really helpful if you want to speak to someone, don't try and convert them. Give them Christ. Let Christ convert them. Just present Christ. And, and, and sometimes we come and we think, we, we say, well, you, you need to read these five message books. These are the fee, five cornerstones to the message. And after you get that, I think we ought to know the Bible well enough. And we ought to have enough love in our, our heart that we can express Christ to a people. Listen, is this all right tonight? I'm, I'm trying to stretch us a little bit. 
I'm trying to stretch Ed Hammermeister a little bit. I'm trying to stretch this church a little bit. Let's have more of Christ. Let not the sinner come in here and be judged, but let them experience Christ. Let them come and say there's something different there. Let those people, they've been with Jesus. Let them, let, let them have that. And let Christ do the work. Listen, he would, he would go on and say here in, 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 in verse 9, you full well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. Verse 13, you make the word of God of non-effect through your tradition that you have delivered and many such like things do ye. I ask myself, Lord, what, what have I done or what have I not done that I could better present Jesus Christ? And that's not just out on the streets, but that is in church. That is amongst friends, amongst schoolmates, amongst workplace, the workplace. It, we, we don't have to go out on the streets. I, listen, I, I'm, I'm preaching this because Every one of us knows somebody that God has put on our heart. And we think, I'm yearning for this person to come and to know God. If you can take this principle, God loves the sinner. God loves the stranger. And God help us to have the same love for them. Brother Samuel Johnson years ago, have you prayed to the Lord about the one that you want to tell you need to pray for them? Or I don't know how he put it, but he says, it starts with a heart that you have for someone. And, 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 and then it's not so much being religious or, or having, and I would say, to God has some of our young people in the place that they're at because our, our, the elders can't get there. And so it's, it's about how can you express Christ to somebody you know? And, it, and, it's, and, and, if, and, and sometimes it's simple as living a life. And if the question's asking, you don't know the answer. Hey, listen, I don't know all the answers. All I can tell you is God got a hold of me. I was with this way. This is happening now. And it happened as a result of the message I believe in the Bible. And here, I, I got somebody that can tell you more. That's a good way to be. <coughs> okay. So sometimes we want God to do more for us. And, and you know, sometimes we, we, oh Lord, I need more. But God's sometimes saying, I need you to do more for me. I, I'd love to do more for you. But you know how I can do more for you? Is when you start to be in the channel I want you to be in. And I asked myself, I said, you know, we, we've done witnessing, we've, we've gone on the streets, and sometimes I, I'm amazed. I was just at lunch today with my wife and my son. We were talking, and, and about the Mormons, I think it's the Jehovah's Witnesses, I think, is the other group. But they go around witnessing. They come to your door, but they do it as part of a program. You know, and I'm sure at the end of the day, they've got to check off. I went to so many houses, therefore, I have some spiritual satisfaction. I don't want to be that kind of a program. I don't want it to be that when I'm out there, okay, I, I'm get, God's going to watch me and we're going to do this and this. I say, Lord, let me get Jesus to a people. I ask myself, Lord, in the city of Edmonton, where, where is somebody that needs you? They may not come to the message. They may be a stranger, but maybe they may have a chance to be good to you. Maybe they'll have strength to overcome in the tribulation period. They will see Christ. Is this, is this all right? I, I, I think let's, let's make the focus outward and not so much inward. Let's put Christ before the people. Say, well, I, I, I'm not ready to do all of those things. Well, I just say, put the part of Christ you have in front of you. I, I'm walking down the mall and I'm thinking, Lord, if there's somebody in this mall that I, I need to, that, that you would have me walk or, or, you know, or, or meet or something, or Lord, lead me. 
And sometimes it's done innocuously. You pray in the morning, and all of a sudden you find out your steps were ordered. You were this way, you were that way. And I say, oh God, that's the God we serve. <coughs> now, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to this scripture just for a moment in, into uh, Matthew chapter 11, if I can. Matthew chapter 11. So, Verse 16, and Jesus says, Whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto a children sitting in the markets, calling unto their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. Now, it's two opposite extremes. Now, it reflects in verse 18. So, you know, they, the Pharisees or the religious people of that day, they love to be known for their long robes. They love to be known that they fast and that they pray and that they walk holy and that they're reverenced. And, and they made it known when they fast. So here comes one. That was John, verse 18. He came neither drinking, nor neither eating nor drinking. So in other words, that wasn't what he was focused in. But he didn't come according to their school of thought. He didn't come according to the way. He was a wild man. He ate locusts and honey. And you know what? They couldn't accept that one because he didn't come their way. Friends, this, these are spirits. Did you know that even Peter, the apostle, got carried away by these things? Peter found it really hard to make the corner. Peter found it really hard to accept that the Gentiles, which he'd been taught all his life, were a vile people. He found it really hard to accept that they could actually be included in the covenant. And so much so that when he was with the Gentiles, he was, God gave him a vision, but he was still, after the vision, he was still one way. And then when he was the Jews, he was another way. And Paul had to rebuke him. Now, you, you think, could this ever happen? It's happened before. It could certainly happen again. I, I don't, I don't want to be in those that they would look on the outside and say, that people's a cult. You can't come in there unless you come their way, and it's the highway, and it's this and this. No, I want to come, and, and if, if we present Christ, friends, we're, we're not called as sheep to manufacture wool. We're not called to manufacture the fruits of the Spirit. We're not called to try to, to, to do something in ourselves. We're just called on letting Christ shine. And you let Christ shine, and that will draw all men to him. Even John the Baptist, who was a cousin to Jesus, a cousin, now, John the Baptist is out in the wilderness. I don't know if they ever met early. But John would say, in the Bible, he'd say, I knew him not, but the Spirit came down like a dove and descended on him. In other words, I didn't recognize him by my own thinking, but I saw God identify with him. <laughs> so here's John the Baptist. He comes, and because he didn't fit the school of thought, Oh, he's got a devil, that guy. And so now here's John on one end, neither eating nor drinking. But here comes Jesus. He's eating and drinking. And he's eating and drinking with publicans. And he's with sinners. And they said, this guy is a gluttonous wine-bibber. And he says, he's even a friend to sinners. And they couldn't go back to the book of Deuteronomy and read, you shall love the stranger. Oh, friends... What if God, you know, sometimes I, I view it like Moses. We try to assess by what we see on the outside. Oh, yeah, they, they, they got good potential. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're wearing their skirts just there. They got potential for those to be lowered another two inches. But can we look like Moses looked into a slab of rock and say, maybe there's a Christian under there, but we can't see it. And maybe they just need to have the light shed upon them. Listen, friends, God loves the stranger. God loves the sinner. This law was magnified when Jesus came on the earth. I'm challenging all of us, myself included. 
We're coming into a season when you're going to get together Christmas. You're going to get together with relatives. You're going to get together with friends. You might have a little office gathering. You might have something else. I'm challenging us to go beyond the realms of, of what we normally would do. Well, I'll just keep my distance from him and keep my distance from her. And Once in a while, just be friendly. Just be Christ. Well, you know, the, the Bible says, you know, the, the Pharisees had grown up, touch not, taste not. Keep your distance. No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Listen, that's, in the summer, sometimes I come home, my, the time is just, where are we at? Okay, I got a few more minutes. Okay. Sometimes I come home, I'm, I may be dressed up. My wife is working in the garden. So I come home and she says, can you help me with such and such? Listen, when I'm wearing the clothes I'm wearing, I don't quite feel like doing it. If I'm sometimes wearing my religious message cloak, I don't quite feel like condescending down to that level. So you know what we need to do is we need to back off, shed that cloak, and we need to go back to where we were when we were saved, go back to where we were then, get our hands dirty, go down there, get on their level, talk to them, be a friend to them, love them like Christ loved them. How are you going to win them if you're just up here and they're always down there? You've got to come down here. You've got to be like Jesus was. And i got to be the same. Well, listen, I'm not getting our huge amens, but I trust God's ministering to us. <coughs> Psalms 49. I love this, David is speaking. Hear this, all ye people, give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor. My mouth shall speak of wisdom. The meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline mine ear to a parable. I'll open my dark saying upon the harp. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil. Now, I, I'll put the question this way. Well, I don't want to be going, you don't have to go into a bar. Okay, that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm not calling you to go into some nightclub or something like that. I'm just saying, if you got God in you, why should you fear? If you got something you're convinced of, it's done something for you, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Now, you should keep yourself unspotted from the world. You should not have friendship with the world is enmity to God, but you can make contact. Listen, you can make an association. So much so, this is what the Pharisee said to him, he's a friend to sinners. Like, how horrible is that? Yeah, how good is that? Who's going to be a friend to somebody on the streets? Who's going to be a friend to one of your sons or daughters? Or Who's going to be a friend to a relative or somebody you know? Who's going to be a friend to them? I say, pray that God will send somebody by their way that will quicken them. Oh God, let's not lose the love of God. Brother Branham, what was the Holy Ghost given for? God, he says, the Holy Ghost, the purpose of the Holy Ghost is so that you could obey every rule just correctly. No, I inserted that myself. It's the Father again. God the Father dwelling in you, working out his plans to finish his plan of redemption, working through you, making you a co-worker with him. Oh, friends, I, I groan and I cry when I think of some of our young people and different ones, not just our young people, but, but youth in the world. So trapped in a vortex of TikTok and YouTube and texting and, and all kinds of things and can't see out of it. Who's going to be a friend to them? What if there's a soul somewhere that needs them? Can we be a friend to someone? Jesus was a friend to sinners. And David would say, 
Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Go and read in Matthew chapter 22. There's another one in, in Luke, but Matthew 22. There was a feast. There was a feast that was given and Jesus sent out the invitation to a group, the first group, and, and they would have none of it. Maybe they would just say, hey, I got the invitation. You don't. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that attitude shows you didn't really receive it. If you got the invitation, what does it say? What are you responding to? And then he, they wouldn't receive it, so Jesus sent out another call. And it was to another group of people. But they began to make excuse with one consent. I can't come right now. I've just married a wife. I can't come because I did such and such. I can't come. And still there was room that was full. I love the song. I'm trying to think of how the words go exactly. I can't do it but bring my children home I love the song that, that our, our youth sing daughter of Zion this is the heart of God to bring people back the heart of God I say God give me the heart of God how many want to say God give me your heart let me express you let me express you to my lost fallen brother you all know somebody that's backslidden. We all know somebody that's not there. What's wrong with making a certain person the object of your prayer life and just saying every time, Lord, remember so-and-so. Lord, don't let them go. Lord, just remember them. Father, I pray you will not stop. Knock on their heart. Make their life miserable. And you just keep knocking at that door. I'll tell you what, God cannot refuse that. <coughs> making you a co-worker with him, giving you a place, giving you a part for your fallen, lost brother and sister, giving you his spirit and his love to go and hunt the lost. Have we forgot the commission sometimes? I'm not just talking about breathing and remembering, but to really be burdened. And I'm not, I don't want to condemn you here today. This is, this is for all of, all of us to move up. I've asked myself some of the same questions. I said, Lord, who are we really? Is Christ living in us? Somebody walks through this door. You know, are, are we so wanting to connect with the people that we connect with? Or can we see the one that's standing off in the corner? And just have the spirit of Christ and move over there and be led of God. Hey, how are you doing? You know, Brother Adam would say, it doesn't have to be all spiritual. You know, to the farmer, you talk farming. To the mechanic, you talk spark plugs. To, to, to the athlete, you talk Nike. To, to whoever you talk, whatever you talk to. And you know what? Just be real. You don't have to try and convert them right there. Just bring them into your presence. Not just your presence, but the one who lives in you. Bring them into their... Why? Because Jesus is the sinner's friend. He loves the stranger. He said, that's what's the matter with our meetings today. There's not enough spirit touched to it to go to the souls of the lost and the dying. It's more to make a name or a church or a building Instead of a soul-winning program, oh, how pitiful we could stay in that. They looked at Jesus and they said, by association, he's hanging around with these people. He must be a friend with publicans. Who? Change your message garment of holy righteousness. Take it off and say, God lives in me. I'll be a friend. I'll be that to someone. We prayed in our prayer meetings some months back for a man whose daughter was sick. Young girl, 20 years old, got stomach cancer. Was given a year to live, she lasted five months. I just was with him today. I said, Rob, how's your wife doing? Not good. How's your son doing? He's okay, he's trying to help his mom. How are you doing? I said, I got some good days and some bad days. 
I just said, I think of you guys from time to time. I hope you don't mind my asking. He says, no, thank you. I appreciate that, Ed. And he says, you know, I'm not really religious like you, but I do have a faith. And I said, well, I believe that everything's for a purpose. I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. But I think we can just be Jesus to a people. I got to sort of wind this down somewhere. We don't always have the right words, <coughs> but we have to change our mindset. Israel, they had to change their mindset. If, if, you're, if we're really honest, we say, we all would say we, we need more of God in our midst. I need more of God in my life. In order to have more of God, I think we need to change our mindset. Instead of waiting for him to come to my situation, I think we can be about the Father's business. I say, Lord, let me take what you've given and let me do it. And you know, I, I'm always reminded of this story. There's, there's several stories that are amazing to me. But, but the one when Brother Branham spoke that little fish into existence, it all started when, I think it's um, the two brothers that were with Brother Branham, the one neighbor and then the other brother, they came out of the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons, I forget which they came, and they were just talking about the things that God had done for them. And they said, you know what? We should go back and tell our old Sunday school teacher about what happened to us. And the Brother Branham said, the angel of the Lord heard that and was pleased. And he came back and told them, you're going to witness a resurrection. And he said, is it because of us? Does it mean? No, it's because of him. I, I want to see that God come. Listen, I'm not going to go further today. But let the musicians come. Do you want to see him come that way? Lord, let's create more of an atmosphere. Let's create more of the love of God. Let's create more of him around us, through us, in us. And, and let's, let's just give it to him. Let him do what he wants to do. I, I won't be able to get everybody, but you know what? God can work through anyone. He can work in, in ways that are beyond what we think they are. I'm always reminded of the Good Samaritan. You know, how, how does this come, brother, sister? I was re listening to the message this morning, the lamb and the dove. The dove being the heavenly bird that's so identified with the nature of a lamb. And Jesus was that lamb. And he would talk about the dove, how the dove would secrete an oil. And that oil, as it would come out, would keep that bird clean because the oil would not allow dust to stick on its feathers. And he says, but that dove was tied to that lamb. And he says, but sometimes when we have the wrong nature, when we don't have that meek light nature, the dove can't come down. When we have a wolf-like nature, when we have what's called the stiff neck, that's not the kind of stiff neck, but just too much of self. We need to be broken down. God, break me down a little bit that that dove can descend, that the oil can flow. I won't have time to go into the story of the Good Samaritan, but a Levite went by, a priest went by, a man that was there. They crossed the road to the other side, wanted nothing to do with him. But a Samaritan, a man outside, he went down. See, all of this starts because somebody asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor. And then he asked him, who's my neighbor? And then he told them the story. And he says, now, which one of them was a friend to this, this, this guy? He said, well, the one that, that went and he bound up his wounds. He took him. He brought him to the inn. He said, if there's anything owing after this, give it to him. He put oil in his wounds. Friends, we got something to give. The world is dying, dying for Jesus Christ, dying for what we can give them. Do you, wanna, do you want him 
to be there. Let's stand together. Lord, you reign and rule, reign and rule over me. Lord, you reign.